It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. Social I'm Born Davis and kicking off the hour with me, of course, the Sugar Cubes lead singer Björk with Birthday, one heck of a song. Google it, Google it, YouTube it, play it. It's a corker. Welcome to show number 170. As always, I'd love you to join me as part of the show. Text me 3920 keyword live and your text will appear right here in front of me. You can always tweet me at Vaughan Davis. Later on in the show, Mr. Julian Waters joins us again, and we've got some fantastic apps and websites, including an app that saved me, it saved me 48 cents the other day. And that sounds a bit pathetic, but I'm going to tell you why it really, really matters. 48 cents, I feel very happy about that. I'm going to tell you why. Keeping with the numbers, Facebook. Facebook hit two. 2 billion users, 2 billion users. I'm stroking my imaginary white hat as I say that. Why does it matter? Why is it a big deal? What's the good news and what's the bad news about Facebook hitting 2 billion users? And finally, if we have time, I really want to talk about a website that is a pretty good place to go if you've got a teenager, maybe in the middle of exams, mid-year school or university exams, wondering what to do with their lives. First, though, business pages in the paper, you'd be hard-pressed to say who the CEO of any of our fuel companies is, but if you spend any time on Facebook, you might have heard of this one. Mike Bennett is CEO of New Zealand-owned fuel company Z. Unlike other CEOs, he spends a couple of hours every month on Facebook, not chatting to that girl he always fancied in the third form, but listening to customers and answering their questions when they ask him anything. Mike, welcome to Sunday Social. Yeah, great. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, you've been in the oil business long. Is that all you've done? Is that all you've done? Just just oil? Turning, yes. turning, turning dinosaurs into road trips? Well, I've been in the energy markets all of my working life. And as you know from what we do on Facebook at Z, we don't just want to sell fossil fuels. If anything, we want to move away from that to something that's much more sustainable. So let, let's sort of start with a little quick look back at your career. I, I had a bit of a nosy because you can online these days. There was quite a lot of BP in it, quite a lot of um, you know, it's oil, oil, oil. Is that all you've done? Yes, I've worked in global energy markets. I started with BP in New Zealand in 1983, so a long time ago. I'm almost a fossil like the fuels that you talked about. I spent 25 years with them. Uh, most of my time actually was offshore. I left New Zealand in 1991, and I chose to come back at the end of 2008 for all those obvious family reasons why Kiwis come home. And what would you consider to be the biggest contrast between, you know, working for, a, for an overseas uh, company, BP in your case, and, and working for a New Zealand one, uh, you know, now called Z? 
Well, to put it quite bluntly, you live or die by our success in New Zealand. It's the only market we transact in. It's the only market, if you like, we really care about. It's the market that we get judged by what we do or don't do. So it's much more acute to only be, if you like, the boss of a relatively small company in a global sense in New Zealand versus being a, a, a smaller wheel in a big company like BP globally. Which is interesting. You see this in a lot of categories, you know, banks especially, right? Um, you know, and the New Zealand branch of a bank is just uh, part of a much bigger picture or advertising agencies. That's where I come from, you know, but you're, you're a completely standalone company. If you don't, you know, sell gas, pies, Coke and cigarettes or whatever it is you sell, uh, you're sunk. Really? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And what that means is we organise ourselves, we structure ourselves, we listen really carefully to what's happening in this market. Whereas I think, to be frank, if I was the, the global head of one of these global companies where you've got, say, anywhere between 50 to 100 countries around the world, you get driven a lot more by efficiency. You'd like everything to be done the same way around the world because that's how you get confidence that things won't go wrong. Well, it's funny. It even comes down to advertising, and, and we'll get to listening to customers a bit later. That's kind of the, the big thing I want to talk about today. But, you know, I, I come from an advertising background, and one of the things my agency used to do was the ads for Caltex. And certainly while we were doing it for quite a long period, they would do the, the, the same ad regionally from, from South Africa, which I think is where Caltech starts, all the way across to New Zealand. But they'd do it five times. They'd do it with the, the white people, the brown people, the dark brown people, the yellow people. They'd shoot the same ad in the same studio or the same set just for efficiency. And that's that, it was just a number on a page, right? Yeah, exactly right. And I think there's a real difference between efficiency, which is, if you like, doing things right, and effectiveness, which is doing the right things. So given that we only exist in New Zealand, we pay as much attention to effectiveness as we do to efficiency. Let, let's talk about New Zealandness because, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's right there in the name. Um, how important have you learned that New Zealandness is to people when deciding where to, where to fill that tank? Because I, I was always told that the number one thing in, in choosing a, a gas station was proximity real estate. Yeah, that's still true. So we call it location in our yeah, language. Yeah. So yes, location still matters. But there are other considerations, whether they be what we would call drivers or, as you would put it, choices consumers make that come into play as well. So if we've got as good a network location as anybody else, what other things do we do to make sure we win in the eyes of the consumer? And one of those things you're doing, uh, both as a company and, and, and certainly for you as a CEO, is engaging directly with people, uh, particularly via Facebook. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this goes back to when we first decided to respectfully retire the Shell brand and move across to Zed. What we recognise is that the Shell brand had limitations on it, as it should. It was a global brand that we, if you like, were renting from somebody else. So it really limited how we could play the game. What we realised with Zed is we had a lot more freedom, so yes, let's do that. And as I said earlier on, we've got to think about, well, how do we win? How do we differentiate ourselves in the eyes of the people we serve, whether that's just our customers or indeed the broader stakeholder set? or the other people who are interested in what we do. So that's why we said actually social media was a great thing to be doing. And again, you go back to this activity started in 2010, so we all tend to relate to social media as if it's been around forever, but uh, it's very different today than it was seven years ago. Yeah, it, it really is. And the, the, the thing that I know you most for is, is Ask Mike. So, you yeah. know, that, that open, I was going to say open mic, but that's got a double meaning, uh, the idea of you responding to questions from anyone who wants to ask one, and I think I've been one of those people in the past, on, on Facebook. How, how exactly did that start? Where did the idea come from? You know, what was the first one like and, and how did it go? 
Yeah, so the, the idea, I can't even say you know, where it came from or, where, or who actually named it, but it's just part of our evolution. You know, we didn't just have this very static Facebook page. There's a whole lot of stuff on there, competitions, information, um, asking customers and, and stakeholders for feedback. So it was a thing that was just part of that evolution. Uh, the first time we did it is the, the team set it up. I actually caught a plane from Wellington to Auckland. The plane landed late. And I started doing Ask Mike on my iPad in the taxi on the way home. And it just took off like heck. So I realised after two hours of frantically typing that, wow, I can't do this on my own. So over time we've evolved it. We now have a, an app that moderates the flow of the questions. There's, um, I have a team of people who I can now dictate to because eight or nine people can type quicker than I can actually type myself. So we've actually evolved it in a way that we can be way more responsive. And if I take our last session, we answered about 600 questions in a two-hour period versus about the sort of 150-odd that I clunked out first time round. And how often are you doing this, Mike? Uh, we do it every quarter. So, okay, so two hours every quarter is not, not a, a huge chunk out of your life, but, uh, you know, there's, there's preparation and planning, there's people helping you. As, as a CEO, you know, your time, your time is precious. You know, you, you know, you're giving an hour to me today, which thank you for that. But what's the upside? What do you get from that, from that two hours? I think what's the payoff? Yeah, I think there's two, two things. Uh, first of all, I'd go back to what we stand for as a brand. So we have some values around our brand or some principles that we work to, and you know, one of those is what we would call share everything. So the whole notion of being on Facebook is to, is to share everything. Uh, one of our other values is to be straight up. So we can't have a set of values and not demonstrate that consistently. The benefit I personally get is actually hearing from customers and stakeholders directly around what's on their mind versus what sometimes happens, which is the, the well-meaning filtering process that happens as stuff comes up to the boss. It, it, it's interesting. It reminds me of why Twitter in, in particular is very popular with politicians. And, and I, I think it's because, you know, they, they realise that their life is, you know, beehive, taxi, coral lounge, home, beehive, taxi, coral lounge, home. And they feel like they're getting disconnected from the, the people they serve. Is, is, is this a motive for you? Yeah, uh, very much so. We can't position Z as a, as a Kiwi brand, as a brand that's deeply embedded into the neighbourhoods of New Zealand if we're actually not actively listening to what's on people's minds, both the good and the bad. So what, apart from, you know, um, grizzling questions from aeroplane owners asking why aeroplane fuel is the horrible price it is, um, what sort of questions do you get? We get a wide range, actually. At, at one end, if you like, they're the sort of things you'd expect to get. Yeah, why is fuel so expensive? How can I get a job? Um, how much do you get paid? And, and are they the most uh, common questions? I wouldn't say they're the most common. Uh, certainly not nowadays. In the early days, they were. I think as the, if you like, the, the proposition has evolved, people are now getting more confident around asking, if you like, more uh, strategic questions. Yeah, what do you think about deep sea oil drilling? How committed are you to moving away from fossil fuels? What do you think is the role of a large company in today's world other than just making profits? So... Over the seven years we've been doing it, there's a much wider spread of things, and that's one of the reasons why we now move to actually live video as a way to respond versus, if you like, um, a more traditional let-us type of response. Tappity, tappity. How risky is this? I'm, I'm just thinking back to, you know, to when you started doing this. There must have been people in the company who are going, well, boss, uh, you know, there's, you're, you're speaking on behalf of the company, you're making statements on behalf of the company and the shareholders and all this sort of thing. There, you know, you the stuff you say really matters. Were people worried about that? Yeah, I think to be fair they were. There's probably two types of worry. There might be a worry about how I would personally show up on this because you know, I might be the chief executive, but I am Mike, mm. so I think every chief executive brings their own personality to things. 
And then there's the issue that you talk about, is what if you say something that we haven't discussed thoroughly or it hasn't been agreed between management and the board? And, and there's all those disclosure requirements, right? When you're a, are you a listed company? Or I'm yes, not, we are. Yeah, yeah. So there's dis, you know, market disclosure requirements and, and, and things you can and can't say, right? Yes, I'm really, really clear on what I can't say. And sometimes we get asked a question and I'll say, look, I can't, I can't give it the answer to that one and here's why. But that, to be honest with you, on the the range of Facebook questions we get, that's not much of a limitation. This really is your orientation to listening and, and being available and upfront with the people that you serve. So one, one of the big risks of listening to social media um, and, and acting, perhaps acting on what you hear, is the difference between the social media voice and the actual voice of the people. And this, this was sort of brought home um, pretty, pretty clearly in the last year. You know, every, everyone on the internet thought that uh, Clinton would win, but she didn't. Mm. Everyone on the internet said that, you know, Brexit would never happen, but it did. Are you conscious of taking these comments, questions, this, this mood of the people with a grain of salt? I wouldn't say I'd take it with a grain of salt because it's absolutely true for those people. I take it as being one of the inputs we take to decide upon, you know, how do we position the brand, what do we want to lead on, what do we want to be more responsive to. It's just one of the feeds that we get. It's a really important feed, but as you point out, it's, it's a limited audience or it's, a, it's just one part of the total population. I'm talking to Z Energy CEO Mike Bennett, particularly about his involvement on Facebook. You're listening to Radio Live Sunday Social. Back soon. It's Sunday Social. Everything you need to know about social media with Vaughan Davis. And welcome back to Radio Live Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis with me, Z Energy CEO Mike Bennett. Welcome back, Mike. Yep, thank you. We were talking before the break about your Ask Mike idea, where every quarter you spend a couple of idea, a couple of hours on Facebook answering questions from the community. And along with those questions come a lot of suggestions. Mm. Do you act on those? What are some examples of customer suggestions that have come through that process in the last you know, several years and have made their way onto the forecourt? So I think we absolutely do have to act on them. This is all about integrity. You can't say one thing and, and do another. So we have processes behind the scenes that enable us to respond to that. So if someone comes up with a good idea and we want to further it, we might say, hey, send that one into yourviews.z.co.nz and someone in the marketing team picks that up. If there's something that comes up in there that I find particularly concerning, say it's a complaint or something that I should be personally interested in, then I get them to email me or in some cases I actually ring people up. I say, um, offline, send us your telephone number and I'll give you a call. So we work really, really hard at bringing real integrity uh, to that. When I give, think about some of the examples that we've had, there's not one in particular where I can say this person said that. Uh, but the example I'd give is we ran Pi Month. So July is our Pi Month and we always go out there and we say, who would like to nominate a recipe or suggest a recipe for a pie? And we have those come in, we get our customers through Facebook to determine which of the ones we should bring to market, and if you like, or pilot during that month of July. And we did that. And a couple of years ago, we had a suggestion for a, for a vegan pie. Oh, but, dark days, dark days, Mike, I remember it. Yeah, so what happened there is, yeah, we had a great idea, it came in, and by the time we ended up the promotional period, the pie was about our third or fourth biggest selling pie. So it wasn't a situation where we could say, well, let's just stop the promotion and take it away. And again, on Facebook, people were making lots of suggestions around, hey, you've got to keep that. And a lot of those suggestions came from people who weren't even vegans. They were saying, actually, it's really nice when I'm on a roadie and the person who is a vegan wants to be able to you know, stop have somewhere something. For food. We know we can rely upon you guys. 
And I, as you may remember, we sort of got part of that wrong. And again, I, I through rem- Facebook, I remember we fixed that. it. And, and what, what, what actually made those vegan pies delicious was the chicken feathers. Yeah, they actually, they were duck feathers. Oh, they were duck feathers. Yeah, but oh, it was uh, God, something... gourmet, gourmet. Well, it was, again, it was a really great lesson for us. We'd gone through what we thought was all the right due diligence or all the checking processes to make sure that every element of the pie was you know, certified vegan. We asked our baker, he asked his supply, supplier who gave us the flour, and everyone said, yes, yes. And then, actually, some you know, very well-meaning, dedicated vegans said, actually, you've got this chemical formula in there. Do you realise an element of that is duck feathers? And we were bloody horrified, frankly. And there, so we there, went there out were, there and we, fi- we fixed it up within a matter of days. There was, there was a quack in your strategy. Yes, indeed. Pre- pretty much. Recently, you've moved from, as, as you mentioned before the break, uh, answering uh, you know, community questions on Facebook. You've moved from tappity-tappity to doing it on video. Tell mm. me about that shift and, and why you went that way. I think there's two things here. One is that uh, more and more people are on Facebook which is great, they're doing it at the same time they're doing something else. People are consuming multiple forms of content. So we realised if we wanted to have the, the cut through and to provide people with a real meaningful interchange or dialogue with us, actually the tappity tap wasn't necessarily going to cut it anymore. So the next evolution was simply to move to video. We had been trialling or had a practice of answering some questions by video, so someone would tap in and then we would, we would respond through a video because it enables a more fulsome answer. But we actually said, well, why don't we, and we did this in the last quarter, why don't we just go completely live where I hold the, the cell phone in front of my face at the appropriate angle, um, so I was advised, and all the questions scroll up on the screen. So people on Facebook see the questions the same time I do. So, again, there's no way that I can sort of fudge no response. Not, yeah, no, no, no chance of, of sort of hiding behind or reading out Patsy questions. Although you did, you did read out a couple of Patsy questions, and, you know, oh, here's one, here's some I prepared, well, you know, that were sent through earlier. Yes. But, you know, you've got, to, you've got to seed the tip jar, I think, as, uh, as bartenders and musicians say. But this raises a, sort of an interesting um, question around the nature of being a CEO now. You're quite comfortable with this and you're, you're good at it and you're, 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 you work on camera. Does, does a CEO need to be uh, a media personality these days? Well, I wouldn't say media personality because that starts to imply something like celebrity and I certainly don't do any of this for celebrity. Well, I mean, your channel's called Ask Mike, not Ask Zed. Yeah, I agree with that, but it's not done in a way that, you know, it's all about me. I yeah. happen to be the CEO and it sounds better to say Ask Mike versus Ask the Boss of Zed. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, an element of marketing to that, I guess. I think each CEO has to determine what's right for their company or more importantly, what supports their brand. And I, if I was to be perhaps critical of the way I've done things in the past is I wasn't as tuned into what I did and how that related to the brand, whereas, as well, we spoke what, what, about What does earlier, that mean? You, were, you weren't as tuned into what you did. What does that mean? Well, what I mean is sometimes you can sort of think the brand is the marketing department's job, uh, whereas I've got much more tuned into this, yeah, certainly during my time with Z and my latter time with my previous employer, that actually for many people, if not everybody, the brand and the company and the leaders of the company are the one and the same. Mm-hmm. So there's a, an element of responsibility that comes with that, that, that I welcome, but then I can't just take the responsibility and not do something about it. I have to say, what are the ways that I can demonstrate or how can I show up as a brand ambassador on behalf of all the people who work for Z? I, sort of, a, I guess, a, a trailblazer in this, this area that springs to mind is, you know, Rob Fife in, in New Zealand. He was a 
criteria for answering customer questions, but he did it privately. So he did it via via email, and you know, famously responded very quickly from his personal email to um, customer questions. You do it publicly, which I guess I guess just delivers you a bit more um, return on that personal investment. Yeah, possibly. I think there's there's two things on the go here. Certainly, if a letter of complaint comes to Z addressed to me, either in name or as uh, as the title, I do respond to that personally. Uh, so, and I think Rob was an excellent example of how to do this well. There are times where I get a letter and I will actually, if you like, you know, stalk the person. I'll say, look, I've got a name and an address. I will find their telephone number, then I'll ring them up because I think that is much more personal and meaningful for, the, for that uh, individual than simply... That would be a bit freaky if the CEO rings you up though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it is, and I've had been... Uh, actually, I haven't been. I, the people I've rung from time to time have been surprised. It's, it's, it's funny. It's a real generational change. You know, if you did that and you rung someone up and they're under 20, they go, how did you get my phone number? You say, well, yeah, it's in the phone book. Mm. You know, that's public. And, and people almost forget that that public information, uh, that, that, that that contact information is is kind of public these days. Let's let's just shift off uh, Facebook a little bit and, and talk about technology in general and some of the stuff that's happening at Zed. I mean, you talked about not being just a fossil fuel company. And one thing that's really interested me is your rollout of electric vehicle charges into a bunch of your sites. I mean, on a spreadsheet, that's got to be terrible business short-term. Terrible. Yes. Which then leaves you with the question, why are we doing it? Yeah. Because, I, you know, so, so just, just, just for listeners to frame it, you know, that's, that's precious, precious forecourt space. A car sitting there for hours to get any sort of meaningful charge. And you don't charge them for that, do you? Or do you? So they pay for the electricity. Oh, they do, which is, you know, nothing. Yeah, nothing. We, don't, we don't make any money out of yeah, that aspect. So, so of it. why do you do it? I think there's a couple of things. A company like us can do, well, has a choice to go two ways in terms of transferring or transitioning away from fossil fuels. We can either resist it, uh, preserve the past as long as we can and try to make a dollar out of that for as long as we can, or actually we can recognise that, that thought leaders, progressive companies, lead into change or, if you like, disrupt themselves from within. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're clearly the latter. We have the opportunity to do that because we don't go drilling for oil and gas. So we only sell the stuff because, at the moment, it's the most economic thing to provide to yeah, our customers. So, so you don't have what other service station chains might have an upstream part of your business to, to sort of even everything out? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. correct. Now, then we get into the whole space of electric vehicles. And as I said, you know, it's not, commercially, it's not a strong proposition for us. But it is part of being consistent with our brand. If we say, you know, Z is for New Zealand, we want to transition away from fossil fuels, we can't say we shouldn't do something just because it doesn't make a lot of economic sense for us at this point in time. And this was very much behind our thinking about making this substantial investment we have in our biodiesel plant, which will come to market very, very shortly, where we're basically taking a byproduct of the meat industry, cow fat, and we're oh, processing you've got me that. We've been talking about duck feathers, cow fat. You've got me hungry. Yeah, well, this, this is uh, completely inedible, so this wouldn't be oh, stuff you'd want you to touch. I don't believe it, baby. But the stuff that we would then take, we you know, go through a chemical process and we turn it into an extremely high-quality diesel that you can use in your vehicle with absolute confidence. Tell me about your own, just, just to round out the conversation, tell me, tell me about your own... Uh, social media and, and, and gadget and technical life. I mean, you, you've got a, um, a CEO presence through, you know, through the Ask Mike on Facebook. A lot of CEOs I know find, find social media personally really challenging because in their personal accounts and their personal lives, they're constantly being bugged. Why was this aeroplane late? Why was my hotel room untidy? You know, why was my can of Coke flat or, or whatever? And some, you know, they deal with it in different ways through bogus accounts and, you know, some people do that or through multiple accounts. How do you deal with it? 
So every, I think everyone knows it's pretty easy to guess my email address because it's you know, mike.bennett's at z.co, etc. Mm -hmm. That's pretty well the protocol for email addresses nowadays. So you don't have to work too hard to get something to me. Mm -hmm. uh, you can contact our call centre and they send stuff through to me as well. So I think it's part of my commitment to the brand and to our customers that I'm very willing, if you like, to be disturbed, if you like, in your language around that. How, it doesn't face me. How about in your personal social media life? Do you have one? I don't actively use social media personally. I have a Twitter account. I've never tweeted. I simply grabbed the name so that no one else could grab my name. I think that in some senses, and again, each CEO will do what they want to hear, I don't think people really want to hear about how my day is going or what wisdom I want to share. I, if I have any wisdom to share, I'll do that through other forms, speaking at conferences, uh, for example. So I'm not, I'm not shy on it. I just don't think it's synonymous with the Z brand for me to be out there carving my own brand identity and that comes back to what we talked about before i don't pursue any of this for celebrity i do what's appropriate to support the z brand hey mike bennett ceo of z energy thank you so much for joining me on sunday social thank you and you can listen back to that whole entire interview with mike at radiolive.co.nz under shows and sunday social or if you are a podcast sort of person maybe you're a commuter maybe you like your public transport you can go to itunes and search radio live sunday social or my name vaughn davis and you'll find almost all of our interviews stashed away free for downloading at uh, itunes under podcasts after the break mr julian waters joins me for the apps websites and social media news of the week back soon your portal to the world of tech and social media it's sunday social with vaughn davis on radio live mr julian waters welcome to the show hello good evening good afternoon how are you I'm good. I'm good. It's it's been it's been cats and dogs. Cats and dogs here in uh, in Auckland this afternoon. So uh, I'm very very happy to be inside in the warm, dry, well equipped Radio Live studio. Don't know about you, but it's a good place to be. Really cozy, really swanky. And I, as I was saying, I, I love the blue light. I feel like I'm in a little you know boy racer car with the blue lights underneath. That's right. We, oh, I, we, oh, I, 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 I should take a little video and put it online. So so what happens is. Whenever you push the uh, one of the microphone buttons here at Radio Live, instead of a little red on-air sign coming on, you know, which you might imagine from the movies, the entire place lights up with this red strip lighting. And it's like being inside a boy racer's car. It's, it's still glowing blue under the desk. Is it? I'm still down here. Well, yeah. maybe maybe your microphone's turned off. Hey, you've been very busy. You've been very busy, Julian, organising the New Zealand Social Media Awards. Tell me about that. I I, I sure have. Uh, hey, Sunny Bill. Um, yeah, social media awards. Um, yes, I have been working nonstop. Haven't had a, haven't had a moment off. But it's going to be sensational. Twenty sixth of July this month, we are gathering together an amazing group of social media talent in New Zealand, from the people that do cool branded stuff. Uh, to the people that run community change campaigns and initiatives through to just those funny people that appear on your Facebook feed that you love. I was, I was looking, I was looking this afternoon, I don't know how I got onto it, and I don't know if he's entered, but this guy, How to Dad, um, who's very, very funny, oh, you're nodding, you're nodding, oh, yeah. has he entered, has he entered? Uh, I, I believe so. He believes so, so this, 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 this is this guy, this guy with a beard and a baby, and he just does these deadpan, really, really funny videos on, on How to Dad, it's called, 
But the thing that astounded me, and he, he's just some dude from New Zealand, he doesn't have corporate backing or anything like that, he's getting three million views on YouTube for his, his you know, video of him and the baby taking out the rubbish. So people in New Zealand are doing amazing things and they're making, you know, real media and, uh, you know, sometimes social or business impact. And, and the New Zealand Social Media Awards are set up to recognise that. That's right. You know, I, I don't think these guys have been recognised in this way so far, even though they're superstars. Uh, and, you know, how to dad, like you say, th- you know, three million views. Uh, there were some of the entries. We've got a category for the post of the year, um, bringing back something that we did three years ago, I think. Uh, so it's a you know, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, whatever yeah, it is, yeah. number one post. And, and uh, you know, just the, the reach some of these have had, the, the millions and millions of views, just whether it's the, um, the fidget spinner in the job interview or, you know, how to dad's you know, trying to look after this kid while he's, you know, going about his daily life and everything. So it's gen- just generally speaking, what, what sort of stuff really goes bananas? Is it, is, it, is it stuff that really plugs into the story of the day, the current affairs? Is it, um, I don't know, cutesy, you know, kittens and puppies? Or, or is it funny? You know, it's, it's, isn't that the great mystery? If, if we all knew, you know, if, if you knew, then every bit of goat farm work online would reach millions, wouldn't it? It does. It's... it's <laughs> Most of it does, right? Some yeah. of it does. Um, but, you know, um, I, I'm a believer in, yeah, it's, it's hitting that, that sort of, you've you, you got to reach people on that, on that sort of level where it's, it relates to the life outside the phone. Um, and, and that, you know, that, that could be anything. It could be, you know, parenting. It could be the latest kid's toy that's ubiquitous. It could be uh, yes, yes, something humorous or something relevant to, to media at large. I mean, you know, Donald Trump memes have gone mad. Um, so, you know, yeah, it could be anything like that. But, but you know, whoever's been doing it, we're going to be celebrating them on July 26th. We're announcing finalists. We were going to be doing it Wednesday, maybe, maybe sort of Friday next week. Uh, we're going to be announcing the big finalists and, and putting tickets on sale for the event. You have to go to nzsma.nz. nzsma.nz. It sounds huge. Not quite as huge, Julian, though, as Facebook. And... Two billion users. That was the news this week. Two billion users on Facebook. That's quite a lot of users, isn't it? Yeah, it's bigger than uh, what they say would be one of the world's biggest religions. Well, that's what religion. John Lennon famously said, yeah, we're bigger than Jesus. You know, it's, it's, it's that. It's that. Really? Yeah, it would be the second biggest religion in the world. Yeah, well, well, I, I dare Mark Zuckerberg to say that they're bigger than Jesus. Well, it depends on how you count it, because Facebook is saying, you know, uh, that's 2 billion new people who use Facebook at least once a month. And when they mm. talk about how many people are in the religions, I don't think they're talking about people who go to church at least once a month. So I think Facebook might have nailed it. I think uh, St. Zuck is on top of the pile. But 2 billion people, that's, and true. that's bigger than China, that's bigger than India, and behind them is, is more or less clear space. There's no, nothing else is over a billion. They are more than twice as big as their closest competitor. It's just, it, yeah, it's just, the scale's extraordinary. Actually, following our metaphor, I guess this, this little hour show is, is like the religious observation, isn't it? Because we're talking about Facebook. Um, it's, it's, of course, it raises a, a, a few questions, doesn't it, the size of Facebook? It's great. It means we can connect with a lot of people there all in one place and and i must say i'm a huge fan of being able to wake up in the morning and pull it up and it's it's got these great algorithms that feed me the news that i want to see whether it's from my friends or from you know say tennis i'm interested in tennis or the the news of the day like what, what what's what's up with sunny bill after his uh, 
little accidental uh, contact yesterday. Um, whatever it might be, Facebook bubbles that up to the surface for me, and it's so much easier than wasting time oh, searching see, the internet. That's what I don't like because increasingly, for many of us, Facebook is the lens through which we see the world. So if we go to a News Hub story, if we go to a God Help Us Herald story, we go there because it came up through our Facebook news feed. And it's not the editor of News Hub deciding what comes up the top. It's this Facebook algorithm. And while, you know, if I were optimistic, I'd say, well, this is just serving me the stuff that I'm interested in that matters to me and my family and my community. But if I were pessimistic, I'd go, or, or questioning or dubious, I'd go, well, what's actually behind this? How does this algorithm decide whether I will see a story about, I don't know, Andrew Little or a story about Winston Peters? And it's a really powerful thing because this, this hidden force, the secret source, this trade secret, decides what is the news. That's a worry, isn't it? You know, I've thought a lot about this. You know, you've thought a lot about this. I've run events on it. We've had a social media club here, panel in Auckland with uh, news, leading news media. I, I, I think, but I'm not interested in what Winston Peters has to say, for example. So I'm glad Facebook filters that out. And I guess, yes, you do have to be, a, you know, you're conscious that occasionally it's good to just take a look at stuff that go to NZ or um, the, the, you know, the News Hub homepage, whatever it might be, just to see what the general, what, what editors of local what local editors and curators have yeah, suggested But, but most important. of the time you can't be bothered. You just look at what comes up on Facebook and you just swallow it, swallow it mm. like, the, the, like the big dumb consumer of social media news that we mostly are. Hey, if it all gets a bit too much, of course, we can just buy a ticket, get on the big shiny bird and take a holiday. But uh, Southern Cross Travel Insurance, and I love this, this is, this is PR 101. Do a survey, do a survey, put it out as a press release and people will talk about it on the radio. And you know what? I'm going to swallow that pill. I am. Because Southern Cross Travel Insurance has done a bunch of research, and I'm not sure this is peer-reviewed or double-blind tested, um, about selfies. I thought this was all quite interesting. Um, some of it was not surprising. Some of it was surprising. So 75% of travellers have taken a holiday selfie. Mm-hmm. So far, so good. That, that doesn't surprise me. Does that surprise you? Everybody takes selfies. Everybody takes selfie. 12% would not go to a country that doesn't allow you to take selfies. I don't know what country that would be, but... <laughs> it's hard oh, to imagine. I, w- I was going to go to Botswana, but it turns out you can't take selfies there, so I'm not... Going to North go. Korea, maybe? North know. Korea? Yeah, be. restrictions on photography. You have no point in going there unless you can prove you've been there. Um, essential travel items, these relate to selfies. 75% consider a phone a travel essential, which again surprises me because a quarter of people don't think they need to take their phone. I would always yeah. take my phone. Um, 66% of people still take their cameras. Do you take your camera when you travel? You don't travel. Don't, don't even own a camera. Don't even own, own a camera. No. Um, and, and this is, oh, I, think, I, seven. I, I think people were winding camera. up the surveyors. 7% will always take a selfie stick. No. I, threw, I threw a selfie stick out yesterday. I oh. got given one in a PR goodie bag. And it was a perfectly functional one. Perfectly functional. What but a crime. I, I have too much stuff. You have, yeah. We all have too much stuff. So I threw out a selfie stick. I just got the long arms. That doesn't yeah, that's me. right. That felt good. Um, yeah, 7% reckon they should take a selfie stick with them before they, before they leave home, which is, which is a bit random. But the, uh, the, 
the, the, the really, you know, hint of danger here, the mishaps, the mis-selfie danger, the mishaps while taking selfies. Um, about one in five people have lost an essential like a passport or a wallet or cash while taking a selfie. So you're busy taking the selfie, someone goes, whoop, I'll have that, and they're taking your stuff. 18% broke their phone, I don't know how. 17% offended locals, that's, that's easy to do. Um, and 17% were caught doing something... Did you answer the survey? They shouldn't. No, no. Oh, I just I, thought you might have been the 17%. Caught, caught doing something I shouldn't. That's possible, isn't it? Well, I, I mean, life's an adventure, I, isn't I, it? I believe, I believe, Julian, there's nothing... That, there's the nothing. There, there are very few things that you shouldn't, and, and everything is selfieable. Everything is selfieable. Hey, after the break, we've got some apps that you have just got to try, especially, especially if, like me, you drive an automobile and need somewhere to park it. And I know that's you, right? That's you. We're going to tell you all about it right after this. The latest apps, the World Wide Web. It's Sunday Social with Vaughn Davis. Don't worry. Welcome back to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis. With me in the studio, Mr. Julian Waters. Julian, welcome back. And joining us very shortly in just nine minutes, Mr. Graham Hill for the Weekend Variety Wireless. He's in the house. Don't miss it. We were talking before the break about selfies. And in the break, Julian, you were mentioning the 10th birthday of the iPhone. And there is a connection between these two things. There, There is. Happy birthday, iPhone. Isn't it the most wonderful, amazing invention ever? It's almost as good, Julian, as the Huawei P10, I've got to say. Ad. Sponsored. Yeah, I'm not supposed to... Can't really comment on that, can I? No, you can't. How many of the iPhones have you had over the years? Everyone? Um, No, not quite everyone. Because they they always said you should get the the, the odd numbers or the even numbers or something. I don't know. I've I've had four or five, which which means my sons have had the same four or five as the sort of... It's the trickle-down economy. But you made an an interesting point about selfies and the original iPhone. Yeah, I I watched a video uh, of... uh, reporter using the original iPhone for a day to sort of see what it was like 10 years ago. And it's it's just amazing. It was so revolutionary at the time, and it has completely changed the course of everything. But when you look at what it didn't have, it didn't have a, a front-facing camera. You yes, yes. So how did you take selfies? Well, I had one of those iPhones, and it had a feature which not a lot of people knew about. Well, they, they saw it, but they didn't realise what it was. So on the back of these iPhones, which came in black only to start with, there was the Apple logo, and the Apple logo was there in chrome silver. And the reason it was on the back in chrome silver is you could look at the back of the phone, see your smiling face reflected, or smiling something else if you're doing something you oughtn't have been, according to that survey, um, reflected in the logo, and think, take your selfie. Yeah, you know, I, I always that's a lot it was cheaper a, than having a whole other camera. I, I always thought it was just the art of sort of turning your phone around and just sort of being able Looking to line at the it lens. up just right. You know, no, like no I no, successfully no. took a photo of my arm and nothing else just then. Yeah, it is. You know, it was all very, very carefully thought through. Hey, I want to talk about mm. this app. This app, and we've spoken about this before. This is my app of the week. Um, this is the Auckland parking app. It's called AT Park, so letter A, letter T, Auckland Transport Park. Um, Mr. Brislin, Mr. Paul Brislin was a big fan of this, and he talked about it, but it's only when you use these things that, that you know, it really sinks in and you, and you understand and what they're good for. Have you, have you used it? 
I love it. It's been revolutionary for me. I, and I heard about it from the show, from from. That's where most people in New Zealand hear about apps is from the show. Yes, they do. I, I walk into people all the time. They say, oh, I heard about the app from your show. I, I sign autographs every, every night that I've come on. So, so but yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And so simple. It is, it is very simple. So here, picture this. I am in the car park out the back of the um, Q Theatre, downtown Auckland. You know, off to, off to, actually off to see Hudson and Halls. I recommend it to you. Really, really funny. Really, really good. Hudson and Halls, um, put on by Silo Theatre. Really good theatre. Really good New Zealand theatre. Problem is, there were, must have been 100 of us there. We'd all parked our cars, but the parking machines weren't working. And, we go, and people were calling the helpline, and the, the help guy says, oh, yeah, we'll have someone there in, 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 in an hour. And we're going, oh, the show starts in 15 minutes, man. What are you going to do? And most people just either, well, they risked getting towed, you know, no ticket, just park, pay and display, or they just got in the cars and drove somewhere else or maybe went home. But I thought, oh, there's an app, there's an app. I listened to my own radio show and there's an app. So 80 Park, I downloaded it right there on the 3G. I put in my, it was a bit fumbly because I'm there in the car park, put in my credit card details and and name and name, you know, registration of the car and everything. And bink, you just tell it what area you're in. And if you have a look at the side of a, a parking machine now, it's got like a five-digit code, 13022, whatever it is, and just say start and you start parking, and it's just like that. You don't need to pay. Well, you do pay, but you don't display. Yeah, well, well, what's brilliant about it? was about magical. It? So, 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 yeah, firstly, of course, <coughs> download it right now if you're yeah, don't in wait, this region. Yeah, don't wait till you need it. If you're ever going to be in Auckland. Yes. Um, download it right now, AT Park. Or in Wellington. Or in Wellington. There's one in Wellington called Pay My Park. Same thing, Pay My Park, if you're in Wellington. Yeah, grab it, download it, put in your credit card details now, put in your car registration, so that's all sorted. When you arrive at your car... car um, your location, it does have a, a geolocation option, you say, you it know. It works out where you are. And, and, and so far, every single time, it's worked it out correctly. If you're concerned, you can just check that the number on the, you know. That's, matches that's, up with what it says. Matches the one on the nearest machine. And you just go, start parking. Right. And you disappear. And I, I never have to worry. I've always thought, oh, am I going to be, it's, it's, you know, a meeting's normally sort of an hour. But, you know, I might be, it might go an hour and a half. Or I might get way late on the way back to the car. Or well, it could just be half an hour. You don't have to worry anymore. You just click start button, you get back to the car, and you, you click finish. And the and opposite, the opposite benefit of that. So I was here at Radio Live the other day. There were no staff parks left. I parked out on the street, hit the app. Spent 20 minutes in here doing something, went outside, hit stop, and I paid 52 cents. I, I didn't have to pay the whole dollar, plus 20 cents for a credit card fee. I had saved myself 48 cents. You can do a lot with 48 cents. That's pretty generous of the, uh, you know, the council, I guess, tends to be. Uh, Wilson Parking have an app also, don't they? Oh, they, they might have. I don't care. I don't care yeah. because AT Park or in Wellington, Pay My Park uh, is absolutely life-changing. In Christchurch, they don't have it, but maybe, I don't know, I haven't been there for a long time. Maybe they've given up on cars down there. Maybe they just use all-terrain vehicles or, or pogo sticks machines or in Christchurch? helicopters. I don't know. I, d I don't know what happens in Christchurch. Hmm. What they do have, though, uh, and this is this is my, my Christchurch app of the week, just to end the show. Uh, this is called Snap Send Solve. Snap, send, solve. Have you heard of this one before? I haven't. I'm looking forward to being enlightened. Yeah, well, this is Australasian. I don't think you can use it in Auckland, but you can use it in Christchurch just as well because it's for reporting things that are broken in your city. You could just say, see, the idea is you, you, you're driving down the road and you go, oh, look, the swings in the, uh, in the children's playground are broken. So you snap a photo of it, you send it to your local authority, and they solve it. 
every council needs one of these. Every council yeah. does need one of these. I think it's absolutely brilliant. In Christchurch, of course, just wake up every morning and take a photo of Christchurch. I mean, it's what and, and send it and say, city is broken. They talk about crowd, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's the term? Crowd, not crowdfunding. But crowdsourcing? Cr- crowdsourcing. Crowdsourcing. Thank crowdsourcing. crowdsourcing. And, and surely... I mean, we are all part of our city, our town, our our government. So, so we should be the crowd. Who the eyes. The we should be the eyes because you know councils they, they don't want potholes and 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 swings to be broken and bits and pieces like that. But they've got to know about them. So snap, send, solve. And you know the thing I like about this as well is Christchurch City Council blessed them. Didn't go. Oh, we this is this would be a great idea. Let's develop an app of our own for this. They heard somehow about this Australasian thing, snap, send, solve. They licensed it. I guess you pay for it. And they, they just used what was there. You know what that reminds me of? That, the awesome movie Startup.com from, from way back in 99 before the internet bubble crash. There were GovWorks. They were creating websites. That was the, the website version of today. You know, instead of having a website for your council, they created you know, government website services to pay fines and everything. From from, yeah. from, from, from the ground up. Mm. But that's a Kiwi thing. I think there's a Kiwi thing. We always think we've got to make it ourselves rather than going, mm. oh, maybe someone else in the world has got this problem. Maybe they've solved it. Maybe we can license the, the same thing for very free or cheap. Snap, send, solve. Give it a look. Hey, thank you so much. My first half guest from Z Energy, Mr. Mike Bennett. My second half panelist, Mr. Julian Waters. Braden Leggett in the booth. And stay tuned for Mr. Graham Hill. I'm Vaughan Davis, 99.